from the Mercy One Studio. Man Up, brought to you by Construction Professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stopulus every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy One studio, heard on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. Around the globe, streaming online at iowacatholicradio.com and on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. I am Joe Stopulus. Today, I'm going to do a voter's guide to the election, Catholic edition, on the Man Up show. Let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was asked by uh, a listener to the show to do a Catholic Voter's Guide uh, edition. Uh, so we'll do it on the next uh, the next segment. Before then, give you a little life update on my end. Uh, we welcomed in our fifth child to the world, Michael Augustine Stopulus. It was born on September 27th. And uh, it was it's always an incredible moment. It just it always is. And it's something one of those moments you'll never forget. I mean I still get the, the goosebumps, I still get the that pit in the stomach feeling every time we uh we approach the, the ER. You know, every time it gets close you still get that, that ramp up of emotion. And so thanks for the prayers for everyone who was praying for us. Uh, my wife's doing great, my son's doing great, and as you can imagine, my my son James, who is a uh, you know got three sisters today, and then all of his friends in the neighborhood are girls. He was very excited to welcome in a brother who he can now bash around with. I think uh, in the backyard, in a, give him a couple of years, but uh, we're doing great. And it was just obviously another joyful moment for me and my wife. Stick around. We're going to head to a short break, and when we return, the Catholic Voters Guide to Healthcare edition of the Man Up Show. Thank you, construction professionals, for underwriting Man Up. Construction professionals have been long supporters of Iowa Catholic Radio, and we've seen their work firsthand. It's very impressive. They do remodeling or new construction that is innovative, functional, and designing what you want. cpcustomhomes.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence Brewing Company at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company offers curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. My Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I had been asked uh, to do a Catholic Voters Guide edition to the show. And initially, I rejected the idea because of just the polarization of the topic and the fact that 
usually those conversations tend to stay very high level and really not get into any actionable steps. The more I thought and prayed about it, one issue continued to come to light, and this is it. That if we could draw up the perfect Catholic political candidate for office, a person of integrity and virtue who followed all the teachings of the church and was bold in standing up for those convictions, a person who on paper I, I voted, who I believe would vote 100% of the way the Catholic Church would have us vote, if this person existed but happened to have one notable exception to being in line with the teachings of the Christ and his church, that exception being in favor of abortion rights, I, I couldn't vote for them. Even if every single other issue was perfectly in line with the church, I could not vote for them. And even if they had the most upstanding personal moral character, I still could not vote for them. And the more I thought about this, the more I could not help shake that notion. And I've never been really a single-issue voter, but I think of it like this. If today that person I described was, instead of being pro-abortion, was pro-slavery, could you vote for them? If they agreed 100% with you on every other issue, but just happened to slip up on the one issue of slavery, would you vote for them? I do not think this is an apples and oranges conversation or comparison. Both of those are clearly mortal sins. Both of them are a disgrace to our country. And both of them are an outrage before the Lord. The reason we do not think this way is because of the culture that we live in. The founding fathers knew that slavery was against the moral order. They spoke out against it. They also knew that we would never be able to form the Union without the southern states if we didn't allow it. Thomas Jefferson famously said that slavery, about slavery, he said, I'll quote him here, but as it is, we have the wolf by the ears, and we can neither hold him nor safely let him go. Justice is in on one scale, and self-preservation is on the other. So while they knew it was wrong, uh, they pushed it off to the following generations of leaders to fix it. And instead of being fixed in the following generation, unfortunately, the slave trade grew exponentially and therefore made it more difficult to stop. Uh, here's a quote uh, from a book I recently read on the topic. It said, thanks to the South's total reliance on slavery and the growing anti-slavery sentiment in the North, the arguments regarding slavery began to change. Southern advocates began to argue the morality of slavery, particularly John C. Calhoun, who was an ardent white supremacist. Uh, he insisted that the federal government should enshrine slavery for all time and force free states, free states to re return to escape slaves and therefore allow expansion of slavery into the new territories. Here's the part I want you to know. The positive argument for slavery was actually a new development. Before the rise of abolitionism, even the, the, share, the slaveholder and tolerated but derided the immorality of slavery. Calhoun infamously stated that the key tenet of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal produced quote-unquote poisonous fruit and such argument that slaves ought to be free. End quote. From slaveholders like Thomas Jefferson to George Washington, they, they understood that it was not moral, but they tolerated it. But that lands landscape shifted over time to a vehement promotion of the goods of slavery. I believe a similar thing has happened on the issue of abortion. Not too long ago, during my childhood, Bill Clinton talked about abortion rights in the context of safe, legal, and rare. Today, we hear things like shout your abortion. We hear that it's a positive good for society. We hear that, it's, that it is health care. The days of safe, legal, and rare are long gone on the pro-abortion side, which isn't totally surprising. Safe and legal makes sense, but rare, rare would imply that we do not want to have them for some reason. It would mean that there is something in abortion that would lend itself 
to wanting to be rare. That is heresy today. At least the people on the pro-abortion side 30 years ago were able to admit it is something we do not want to see the proliferation of. They understood rightly that it is not a good thing. But as the progressive movement has shifted the landscape, those people have been left behind. And today, like slavery in the South in the 1850s, it is seen as a positive good. The progressives in favor of abortion have changed the language such that it numbs you to actually what's taking place. Again, now it is health care. It's a woman's right to choose instead of what it actually is, which is the murdering of unborn persons. The same thing happened during the years of slavery. In order to numb society to the evils of slavery, the pro-slavery contingent purposely used language to help desensitize people to the atrocity. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to quote a few things here. I'm going to warn you that the following language is extremely offensive and should serve to, re- I'm using it to remind you of the atrocity of slavery and the mindset that enabled it. Back in the days of slavery, blacks were called the dreads of humanity. They were considered exactly intermediate between the superior order of beasts, such as elephant, dog, and orangutan, and the European or white men. Other slave owners referred to slaves as ignorant, uh, brutality, obscenity, animal appetites, viciousness, and illegitimacy, and called them ignorant, perverse, wicked, the pests of white men, and the agents of Satan. Obviously horrible, dehumanizing language to talk about other human beings made in the image and likeness of God. Something that we obviously today standing in 2020 hear and are appalled by. Well, today in America, the same dehumanizing terms are being used in an effective weapon against the preborn. The following terms are used by anti-life writers to describe the unborn, which are, these are actually from pro-abortion literature. They liken babies to like fingernail clippings or warts, the products of conception, the contents of the uterus. They're like worms or maggots. They're blobs of tissues, parasites, leeches. It's like a kind of venereal disease. These, these types of deceptions keep you from realizing what the horrors of abortion are, and they completely dehumanize it. Here's an actual summary of what happens in abortion. Again, this is rather graphic, but I think it's important for us to understand. Uh, this is in a up to 16 weeks. Uh, a woman's cervix is dilated, and a suction instrument with a blade-like tip is inserted into the uterus. The placenta and the embryo or fetus is cut into pieces, and suctioned out. Again, this is usually performed up to 16 weeks gestation. In a dilation and extraction procedure, now this is the second tri- trimester, um, a woman's cervix, is, this is again, closure, this is extremely graphic, but I have to read it for you to understand what's going on. A woman's cervix is dilated for approximately two days before delivery with uh, absorbent or laminaria that is inserted into the entrance of the uterus. The day of the surgery, they are removed, and the membranes are ruptured. An ultrasound is used to locate the fetus's position in the womb. The doctor locates the fetus's lower extremities, inserts large grasping forceps through the vagina and cervical canal into the uterus where he can grasp the child's legs. A leg is pulled through the vagina until the lower extremities, torso, shoulder, and upper extremities are delivered. The child is situated spine up, face down, with the head lodged at the opening of the cervix. There is usually not enough dilation for the skull to pass through. The doctor runs his fingers along the spine to find the base of the skull. Blunt, curved scissors and then inserted into the skull and spread to enlarge the opening. The scissors are removed and a suction catheter is inserted into the skull to remove the brain. The head collapses and the now dead child is delivered. The placenta is removed with forceps and a suction curate is used to scrape the uterine wall for any tissue left in the womb. 
This procedure can be performed from 20 weeks of pregnancy until the full term. So 20 weeks up to 40 weeks. That is not health care. This is not a women's right. This is not a positive good for society. This is murder, plain and simple. But we, like the people who grew up in the South in the 1800s, have been purposely deceived and desensitized. Like the people in the South in the 1800s, we have been told that these are not human beings. We've been told that this is a positive good for society. And they've been successful in doing this. Uh, Since 2017, approximately 18% of U.S. pregnancies have ended in abortion. In 2016, approximately 34% of all pregnancies in New York City ended in abortion. 34%. More than 60 million legal abortions, legal, have been performed in the United States since Roe v. Wade in 1973. 60 million. That is the population of the entire state of Iowa 20 times. It's the equivalent of the entire metro area, not the city, but the metro area of New York, L.A., Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and Phoenix combined. The numbers are staggering. 60 million children who never had an opportunity to live. It's almost impossible to grab your head around those numbers. This issue is also personal to me, and I've had a lot of time to think about this. Uh, Actually, while I was spending the night in the hospital after the birth of my fifth child a few weeks ago and couldn't really sleep, I had a lot of time to dwell on this issue. I have heard the heartbeats of all of my children at eight weeks. I've seen them all in their 20-week ultrasound. And for anyone who has not seen a 20-week ultrasound, you're basically watching a fully formed human being on a TV screen. Head, arms, feet, toes, spine, heart, face, nose, everything. It's an incredible moment. In addition to my own children, I have a niece and nephew who both gave me a new perspective on the issue of abortion. During my sister's third pregnancy, a test early on revealed that her child was going to be born with some serious complications and special needs. This news was obviously not expected, but we all banded together and embraced what was going to be a life-changing situation for my sister and brother-in-law and our entire family. And it's in situations like this where abortions are common, where a person who is not as strong as my sister to make a life-affirming decision, or someone who has been told that it is just a clump of cells, or someone who has been convinced by the pro-abortion movement that this child is better off not being born, and you are doing them a favor. As the pregnancy progressed, none of the signs changed, and while we held out hope for a healthy child, we prepared for the arrival of our special needs family member. Fast forward a few months, and when she was born, she was a perfectly healthy baby girl. Grace is also my goddaughter. I shudder to think how many graces are not alive today because of a faulty test. Because of a society that says, if you're not perfect in the world's eyes, you are not worth being in the world. Because of a child being born, a burden is too much to bear and you're encouraged to discard them in order to concentrate on your career or other aspirations. Another example of my life is my nephew Alex, my sister-in-law, unexpectedly went into labor around 24 weeks. And for those of you who don't have kids, uh, that is about halfway through the pregnancy. My, my wife and I honestly don't even start talking about names until after, tw- after 24 weeks. Point being, it's, it's, very, it's extremely early in a pregnancy. Uh, luckily for us and for them, they live 45 minutes from the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. She gave birth to our nephew, Alexander, and he weighed in at one pound at eight ounces and could fit into your hand. That said, he was just a, a little person, not a potential person. Not a clump of cells. He was a person, albeit a very, very little person. Today, he is a perfectly healthy six-year-old. He has zero complications. He might honestly be the most energetic and smiley six-year-old I know. But the the pro-abortion movement would say that children at 24 weeks are not children. 
They don't have the right to live if their mother does not want them to live. This is demonic. It's actually demonic. When you see my nephew, Alex, and my niece, Grace, and you look at their faces and realize how many millions of children like them do not exist today under the guise of a right to choose or woman's right or health care. As I've said before, we are a product of the culture we live in. Every one of us is inherently influenced by our surroundings. Just like the people who were in favor of slavery in the 1800s, I have empathy for many of the pro-choice people that are around today. It's easy to sit here in 2020 and look down on all the people who were pro-slavery. Earlier this year, a favorite thinker of mine, Robert P. George, who is a professor at Princeton, wrote this. Sometimes uh, I ask students what the position on slavery would have been if they were white and living in the South before abolition. And guess what? They all would have been abolitionists. They all would have bravely, bravely spoken out against slavery and worked tirelessly against it. This, of course, is nonsense. Only the tiniest fraction of them or any of us would have spoken up against slavery or lifted a finger to free the slaves. Most of them and us would have gone along. Many would have supported the slave system and happily benefited from it. So I say in response that I will credit their claims if they can show evidence of the following. That in leading their lives today, they have stood up for the rights of unpopular victims of injustice whose very humanity is denied. And where they have done so knowing that, one, it would make them unpopular with their peers. Two, that that they would be loathed and ridiculed by powerful, influential individuals and institutions in our society. Three, that they would be abandoned by many of their friends. Four, that they would be called nasty names. And five, that they would risk being denied valuable professional opportunities as a result of their moral witness. In short, my challenge is to show them where they have uh, at risk to themselves and their future stood up for a cause that is unpopular in elite sectors of our culture today. It's with that context of history that I personally do not fully condemn. I can't condemn people for having views at certain times. I would like to think that many of those same people, if alive today, would be horrified at the stances they had, but were products of the culture that they lived in and grew up in. I believe that just as we look back at the 1800s with, with the horror, the sins of slavery in our nation, and just as we look back at child sacrifice rituals of the Aztec and Inca cultures, we will similarly look back in our history with horror at the proliferation of abortion, how casually we destroyed millions of human lives in the names of convenience and selfishness. I have a couple final notes to mention here. Recently, Chrissy Teigen posted on Instagram an emotional picture and message explaining that they had lost their son Jack due to miscarriage. The baby, I think, was somewhere around 18 weeks. The outpouring of support and condolences from all corners of the Internet was, uh, was overwhelming uh, in the tens of millions of responses, and rightfully so. This person had lost a baby. She didn't lose a clump of cells or a potential baby. She lost her son, Jack. We as a society have to understand this, and I believe most people in their hearts do. What else could it be other than a baby? And furthermore, to emphasize that point, I think we we understand that as a society, we understand this because we have laws that criminally punish people for the destruction of bald eagle eggs. Under the Bald uh, Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act, I'm going to read it here, uh, the first criminal offense is a misdemeanor with a maximum penalty of one year in prison and a $100,000 fine. The second offense becomes a felony with a maximum penalty of two years in prison and a $250 fine. We're not talking about killing a fully formed bald eagle. We're talking about an egg. My nephew Alexander was a human being at 24 weeks. He was a human being at 20 weeks. He was a human being at eight weeks. And he was a human being from the moment he was conceived. We understand this with eagles. I sure hope we can understand as a society... It's the same for humans. 
All that said, I know many people who are good practicing Catholics, good friends of mine, who will echo the words of Jeannie Gaffigan, uh, the wife of the comedian Jim Gaffigan, uh, that she wrote in a Jesuit publication, America Magazine, uh, last it was earlier this month on the issue. She said, and I'll quote, How can we strive to heal the tragedy of abortion without acknowledging the deep wounds and life-threatening cries of the, of the, that drive people to do it? How arrogant are we to condemn women of color living in poverty faced with the unimaginable and horrific circumstances that would drive them to seek an abortion without taking a good look at how we have failed them by not offering adequate health care, child care, education, and employment opportunities? Do we ever stop to think of how far we are from achieving a culture of life in light of the well-documented and video-recorded police brutality against black Americans, our refugee children, homeless pregnant women, or the prisoners on death row, not also society's most vulnerable? End quote. You know, healthcare, racism, education, childcare, these are all extremely important issues. That said, those issues, those are issues with which we can have a debate on the best way to fix them. To just turn a blind eye to the horrors and evils of abortion in the name of a preferred healthcare or education policy is not the answer. We need people, especially people like Jeannie Gaffigan, to stand up to the pro abortion candidates and say, I really want to support you for all of these reasons, but I cannot because of your abhorrent stance on abortion. And I'm not saying that you have to go support the other candidate if you don't like them. I have not voted in elections for specific offices, even president, where I did not believe that I had a good choice. But to equate the importance of your preferred education or healthcare policy on the same plane as the widespread legal murdering of children is not an honest weighing of the issues. It's with all of that in mind that I cannot, under any circumstances, support a candidate who is pro-choice. Just as I could not support a candidate, no matter how much I liked them or hated the person they were running against, who was pro-slavery. And furthermore, if a candidate says, I'm not personally for abortion, but I am not going to infringe my beliefs on a woman and her doctor, that to me is the same thing as saying I would not personally own slaves, but I'm not going to infringe on the rights of someone uh, to own slaves. If you're not personally for abortion, there's probably a good reason for that. And we have to have politicians who can stand up against the radical pro-choice progressives in this country. If all Catholics and all Christians and all other believers stood up and unanimously said with one voice, we will not support any more candidates who are in favor of abortion, politicians would respond. I have a lot of friends who are good practicing Catholics who support many of the positions of certain pro-choice politicians, yet abhor abortion, and still vote for those candidates. I am saying, if we all stood up against this, we can make change. If we do not donate another dollar to pro-choice politicians or cast one more vote for them while explaining to them why, we will make progress. If we as Christians band together, regardless of our stance on education, immigration, health care, and the like, and make it clear that we will not go along with the pro-abortion movement anymore, we can and we will make change. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I thought I would end this episode with a quote from Mother Teresa as she addressed the United States National Prayer Breakfast back in 1994. This is from the middle of that prayer. But I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must persuade her with love, and we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts. Jesus gave even his life to love us, so the mother who is thinking of abortion should be helped to love, that is, to give until it hurts her plans or her free time, to respect the life of her child. The father of that child, whoever he is, must also give until it hurts. By abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve her problems. And by abortion, the father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child that he has brought into the world. The father is likely to put other women into the same trouble. So abortion just leads to more abortion. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get whatever they want. That is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. Words of Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa. Thank you for joining me today on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulus. It's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stopulus. Heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals.